The story of Easter is in some ways a story about patience. The story of Easter speaks to us about the significance and the importance and the recognition that we must have of patience in our lives. While there were only a matter of days from the crucifixion to the resurrection, we know that those days must have felt like a lifetime for those that were there 2,000 years ago. And while you might find yourself in the middle of a dark space right now today as I'm speaking to you, I want to encourage you. Because as Christians, we have been made to be more than overcomers. As Christians, God has given us the victory. And so I want to encourage you, while you might find yourself in the middle of a valley place today, God has given you the victory to find your mountaintop experience again. And so it is only a matter of patience. It is only a matter of patience that will lead you from this into that. Nothing will make you appreciate a warm, sunny day like having to go through a Midwest winter. Can I get an amen? Nothing will make you appreciate a quiet home like a home that is full of young children. Nothing will make you appreciate a juicy, delicious steak like going through a 21-day Daniel fast. And nothing will make you appreciate freedom and community like having to go through a prolonged quarantine experience. And nothing will make you appreciate having a savior until you have to go through a moment without one. And that is the context that we step into this Easter experience with. As we read through the scripture in Matthew 28, we see him saying this, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. These women in particular got up at the crack of dawn. They were early birds that were wanting to take spices to the gravesite. They took spices because what was then recognized as a way to grieve would be like if we were taking flowers to a gravesite today. And so these women were completely unaware of the significance of the moment that they were stepping into. These women were stepping into that moment to grieve. They were taking spices to the gravesite, believing that they weren't going to see a risen Savior, but they stepped into that moment not being aware of what was getting ready to take place. Their focus was on what had happened. Their focus was on their grief. Their focus was on the past. But then the Gospel of John says that Jesus meets them there in that place before they even leave the tomb on that day. And what that tells me is that the goodness of God will find you exactly where you're at. Even if your focus is on the past, even if your focus is on the wrong thing, Jesus will step foot into the midst where you find yourself. He will step foot into your darkness and meet you right there. Now the confirmation of the resurrection takes place at the beginning of the day on the first day of the week. And we recognize this as Sunday. 
That's why we all gather together on Sundays around the world as Christians to lift up Jesus Christ as our resurrected Savior. And we do that with a special focus on Easter Sunday. But really, we do it every Sunday because we worship the risen Savior. We recognize the resurrection as significant. We know that everything hinges on this moment. We know that the resurrection was the key ingredient in the story of Jesus Christ. Everything hinged on that moment because if Jesus didn't resurrect, we know that the rest of his words would be irrelevant. Okay, so you might know that I am a big sports fan. Specifically, I'm a big soccer fan. And I've been a Manchester United supporter for over 20 years now. Now, there are some people that are spreading rumors that Liverpool, this current Liverpool team in this season, is the best team of all time. Now, we know that that's not true, but these are the rumors that are being spread right now. And the reason that people are saying this is because Liverpool in this season has accumulated more points than any other team has up until this point in history. And while it is exciting for those people, us Manchester United fans know that it is not true, the claims that these people are making, that this is the best team in history. But the distance between Liverpool in first place and other teams in second, third and fourth place is insurmountable, they say. And they're predicting that Liverpool would not just have won the season, but they're predicting that they would have done so in record-breaking fashion. Now, before COVID ended the season, people believed that Liverpool was going to take all trophies. People believed that Liverpool was going to take the cups. And the reason that I'm telling you this is simple. Without having finished the season, there is no way of proving that Liverpool would have won anything. Without claiming any trophies, there is no verification on the claim that this current Liverpool team is the best team of all time. Without verification, there's no way of knowing. Verification is incredibly important. Verification is what the police are looking for when they pull you over and they ask for your license because they need to verify who you are. Verification is an incredibly important thing. And the ability for Jesus to raise himself from the dead verified to all of us that he is who he said he was. If Jesus were alive today on earth and he had a social media account as at son of God, he would have the verified blue check mark right next to his name because he was able to resurrect himself from the dead. Absolutely, he has been verified now. And the things that he said about himself, all the other things that he said about himself are now true because he was able to resurrect from the dead. And this Jesus, he made some pretty audacious claims. He made some outrageous claims about himself. He claimed to be the son of God. This Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. This Jesus claimed to be a king. Now, remember that there is context that we need to consider. Jesus wasn't alive on earth as we understand our lives here today in a Western democracy. Jesus lived in Roman-occupied Israel, where the history of this nation was a theocracy, and the culture was much more permeated by the influence of what God was doing in that community. And so if someone today were to make the same claims that Jesus made back then, people wouldn't be too upset about it. If people today claimed that they were the son of God, people wouldn't be too upset. There wouldn't be any court trials. No one would sue them. 
because we have freedom of speech, because we have freedom of religion, we have freedom of expression. But back then, 2,000 years ago, things were different. In Roman-occupied Israel, if you claimed to be the Son of God, the punishment was death. Blasphemy, the punishment was death. And so Jesus makes some outrageous claims that he is the giver of life, that he is the resurrection. And Jesus has this issue. He knows that he needs to come and die for us and to take upon himself the sins of the world. But he can't sin himself in order to do so. He needs to stay a perfect sacrifice to take on the sins of the world. And so how does he do this? How does he ensure that he is able to take on the sins of the world himself without having sinned himself in the first place? Well, he does it the only way possible. He does it through his words. It is his words that lead him to the cross and crucifixion. It is his words that lead him ultimately to the resurrection and to the eternal life. The claims of Jesus are bold and they are audacious. One time he said that he can forgive sins, and another time he said that other people can find eternal life through him. He said that not only can people find eternal life through him, he said that he is the only one that people can find eternal life through. He is the gate. He is the door for all to find eternal life through. And what Jesus said then has massive implications for us today. Jesus said that he is the light and hope of the world, that whatever sin, whatever darkness that we find ourselves in, that we can look to him as the light and the hope of the world. God doesn't look at your darkness. God doesn't look at your sin, at your addiction, at the temptations that you find yourself in and step away. No, he doesn't. He steps right into the midst of that situation that you find yourself in. He looks right past the mess at the beauty that you are. And even if you think that you deserve the sin that you're in, even if you think you deserve the mess that you're in, God sees it and he covers it and he loves you in spite of it. Consider here the goodness of God that in our darkest places, God draws near to us and he whispers to us, you were not made for this. You were made for more than this. You are more than the worst thing that you have ever done. It is through this that God calls all of us because he is our light and he is our hope. But I wanna make something incredibly clear to you today. Jesus doesn't promise a perfect life right here on earth for us. Matter of fact, he actually says the opposite will take place. As we follow him, he says that persecution will follow us. As we follow him, he says that bad things will occur to us because we are pursuing him. He says that we will have to choose some relationships over others. He says that we might have to leave an occupation. He says that people might hate us as a result of us following him. And the truth is 
that this is partially why Jesus makes some great claims and some great promises for us. Because God says through Jesus, times will be difficult. You will be persecuted as a result of me. But these are the promises that are true. These are the promises that you can hold on to. And they are true for those who persevere and who endure. When the angel of the Lord spoke to the women at the tomb, he said to them, go and find the disciples and tell them to meet Jesus in Galilee. And as we read that story a little bit further, we see that Jesus doesn't meet them in Galilee like he had told them to. Jesus has to go and find the disciples who are hiding in a room they have locked themselves up in a room out of fear of what the Jewish leaders might do to them. They were fearful that what had happened to Jesus might happen to them. And so they locked themselves up in fear inside that room. And Jesus steps in to that moment with them. While they had removed themselves, while they had isolated themselves, while they had put themselves in quarantine, Jesus steps right into the middle of that situation. And this, in essence, is the good news that no matter the room that you find yourself in today, no matter the quarantine that you might find yourself in today, that no matter where you might find yourself today, God steps into that situation with you. Even if you're doubting that God can step into your situation, even if you're doubting that God can do something about the situation that you find yourself in, I've got some good news for you. The disciples that walked with Jesus for those years still had doubts that Jesus would find them. They still had doubts that Jesus could do what he said that he would do. And while they had their doubts, and we might have our doubts, Jesus still remains victorious. And Jesus is able to still do the things that he said that he would do. And so I want to tell you today that while you might find yourself in quarantine, you are not alone. Because the Holy Spirit is right there with you in these moments. I want to tell you that you don't need to feel fear and be overcome by it because the Holy Spirit is there to comfort you. You might feel nervous. You might feel anxiety. But I want to tell you today that the Holy Spirit is there to give you peace. He wants to know you and be known by you. The Holy Spirit is there to grant you the needs that you have in your life. And He is available to restore you and redeem you and save you and be known by you. Did God send this virus that is circulating around the globe right now? Absolutely not. Will we overcome it? Yes, we absolutely will. Will we be stronger on the other side of it? Yes, I believe that we will. Will we have learned some things along the way? Yes, we absolutely will. I believe that God will restore us and make things new better than they were before because there is still truth in his words, because there is still power in his words. And herein lies the power of words. Words are able to create things. Words are able to bring life or destruction. Words are able to bring solutions or problems. 
Words are able to alter the course of history because they create things and they alter things and they change things. And if you wake up today believing that this will be a difficult season for you, well, it probably will be. Not because God doesn't love you, not because God has abandoned you, but because you have spoken those words over your life. And so God does want to know you and God does want the best for you, but you need to claim those things over your life as well. It's a reminder of the significance of words. It's a reminder of the power that there is in words. Words have value, words have meaning, words have authority, and that's why it matters how we speak to people. That's why it matters how we speak to our children. You're stupid, you'll never amount to anything, or you're awesome, you are an overcomer. You can do it. There is meaning and value in the power of the tongue. And we need to remind ourselves about the things that we say. Because what you get out of this season is in many ways determined by the things that you have spoken about this season. Just like in the gym, there is pain and stretching and there is growth that takes place as a result of the tearing of the muscle fibers. Just in the same way that there is pain in the birthing process, but there is life on the other side of it. I believe that God is using this situation right now and forming a better version of you. He is chiseling away at all of the bad habits that you might have in your life. He is chiseling away at the gossip. He is chiseling away at the destruction. He is chiseling away at everything bad that is in your life to ensure that the thing that remains is the glorious image of the Jesus Christ on the inside of you. And so I want to encourage you today that before the chisel even starts to carve away the things that need to be removed from your body before that even takes place. God accepts you because of what Jesus has done. God makes it clear in his words that he will never drive away anyone who humbles themselves and comes to him. Years ago, when I was a child, I was playing this game where uh, we were saying things about different people and I went a little bit too far and I said something that was a little bit too harsh to one of my friends and it upset them. It hurt their feelings. And so much like in the same way for many guys, I didn't know what to do. I felt embarrassed because I knew that I had done the wrong thing, but I didn't know how to make that situation right. And so before I could even decide what I needed to do, this person turned to me and said, Phil, it's okay. I forgive you. And because I didn't know what to say, because I didn't know how to respond, you know how sometimes when children are a little bit embarrassed, they respond with anger? I did that same thing. I said, what do you mean that you forgive me? I didn't even apologize in the first place. And this person turned to me and they said something that I will never forget. They said these words, my forgiveness is not dependent on your apology. And I believe that that is a word that somebody needs to hear today. I believe that that is a word that Jesus is speaking over you today. 
that his ability to forgive you is not dependent on your ability to repent to him. He went to the cross long before you even repented of your sins for you. He wanted to make sure that everything was available to you to ensure that you could be in right relationship with him. And so I want to encourage you today that that while there is nothing that you can do that will earn the forgiveness that God offers, while there is nothing that you can do to deserve the forgiveness and the freedom that he gives, all you have to do is receive it today. All you have to do is completely receive the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness that he offers to us today. So I wanna encourage you to receive that. I wanna encourage you to step right into this moment to make your relationship right with Christ. That's why we're here today, to ensure that we can be in right relationship with God. Will you receive him? Will you receive the perfect work of the cross? Will you receive the perfect work of the forgiveness that he offers through his resurrection? I wanna encourage you to pray a prayer with me in these moments because I believe that he will forgive you just like he said that he would. I wanna encourage you to pray these prayers because he will restore you just like he said that he would. He will heal you just like he said that he would. And he will save you just like he said that he would.